Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, and tonight is a very odd one for me because I've got a recommended guest. Uh, this young man is uh, from Canada. He's an amazing artist and he was recommended to me by Billy Bauman from Did- Delicious Design League when I interviewed Billy. And he said, you've got to check out this guy. His artwork is brilliant. Such a nice bloke. I'm going to do a thing with him. And then afterwards he got on to me and he said, oh, mate, you've got to meet him. He's, he's just ace. So tonight I have a guest who I've met for the first time on screen right now. And I'm going to say, who are you? introduce yourself what who who do you say you are when people meet you in the pub and go what do you do for a living and start with your name obviously (laughs) all right all right i'll start off uh i'm john cut i'm from kitchener ontario canada uh (laughs) and i am a graphic designer newly turned into an illustrator uh just quit my day job a couple weeks ago and uh starting to foray into the illustrative world so uh yeah yeah, okay. that's, I didn't even think Billy liked me. I didn't even think Billy liked me. <laughs> so, you know, that's the amazing thing. <laughs> Billy, yeah, but I think Billy gives that off. It's his secret sauce. It's, he doesn't let you get too close too soon. But no, he, he oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely raved. But I love Billy. He's so funny. And we met, I met, <laughs> I met Billy at Adobe Max and just like by pure accident, I was chatting to uh, a mutual friend, Dan Styles. And I was saying yeah. about I listened to Adventures in Design podcast and um and then this little voice like voice from behind goes, Oh, you listen to the podcast? And I'm like, I recognize that voice. And I turn around and he goes, oh, I'm Billy. And we got we we hit off really well, really quickly. So I've sort of stayed in touch with Billy. But he recommended right. you. I looked up your artwork, which is under the high road design, and I'll I'll put links in the show. But I have to say, your artwork is pure porn. It is it, it ticks every every box for me as a retro man a man of the 60s um i love that retro aesthetic i love that kind of comic book uh i don't even know what to call it because it's such a cool it's like every time you post something i'm just like oh, is this does this guy ever do anything bad <laughs> so i do you do we just I do don't and i don't it. post it oh yeah the, the whole thing is that my basis is, is it's I'm the diary of a middle-aged man. Like I basically, I started this as like, it's like, oh, I want to remember TV shows and stuff that I did. And, you know, stuff from my past music, either music or or pop culture, movies, you know, I've done like, I don't know how many, like, uh, like uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, Big Trouble Little China pieces okay. or, you know, like just things that I remember and love when I was a kid, you know, American Werewolf in London, all that stuff just comes out in, in what I want to draw. So it's like, it's very self-serving, but I, I think I speak to a, a certain, certain age group and well, even not. So I think I speak to, to younger kids too, just because it's just kind of irreverent and uh, childlike. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you kind of straddle that thing of like your artwork speaks to people of our age and I say our age, yeah. even though like you're in forties and I'm fifties, it's definitely that, that that kind of that retro aesthetic. But the medium that you use is what everyone's using now, which is you you're more procreate. I'm guessing for for most of the work before you jump over into something like Illustrator. But is that let's let's talk about that. You said you left your job a couple of weeks ago to go full time. So 
what were you up to the age of kind of 30 40 what was your path to become an illustrator so i went to school for illustration when i was 17 okay uh, canada had uh, a really good illustrative school. It's the same school. It's a school that's known for its animation. So Disney hires everyone from Sheridan College in uh, Brampton, Ontario. It's just, it's a really good arts college. Uh, and they had an illustration course and it was taught by uh, a very famous Canadian illustrator, actually, uh, Frank Neufeld, who was like our mid-century modern. He was our Paul Rand. Okay, uh, yeah. At the time. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, I went to school for that and I promptly dropped out after a year after sleeping in for the entire semester. Uh, I'm colorblind, so uh, I had to do color theory oh, wow. and I really hated that. Yeah, I knew I wanted to do editorial illustration is what I wanted to do. I wanted to do pen and ink, but I couldn't specialize in the first year and it drove me nuts. And I was so headstrong that I was like, screw this, I'm out. So I moved to British Columbia and uh, I lived there. I was a server. I worked in restaurants and bars and whatever. And then I started doing gig posters just for a friend that had started up a, a bar restaurant and they were having live music. So I started doing gig posters, got heavy into design, started doing stuff for restaurants and all that sort of stuff. Um, and self-taught at Illustrator and Photoshop, all that stuff. Uh, and then uh, just found my way back. I had, uh, a, I was working for a company that used to do very, very, very creative stuff. And as most design companies are doing now, they're diving into this web page, like it's all marketing automation and whatever. <laughs> so it's like the creative slowly gets pinched out of it. And you're still, you might do some cool stuff, but they become fewer and further between. And it was starting to starve me. Uh, uh. So bought an iPad. And that was because I had started, I bought all these sketchbooks, I bought pens, and then I just wouldn't touch them. Or I'd look at the page and I'd just get freaked out about it. And I talked to Billy about this, where it was just like, it was like a man in a desert where it's like, I really wanted to do something. Yeah. But every time I'd look at, at ruining a page, it freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what do I put on the first page of the new notebook? I don't want to spoil yeah. it on page one. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like worried because I constantly have these things. Oh, I'll do, you know, well, maybe I'll learn how to play keyboards. I'm going to buy a keyboard and then never, <laughs> never touching it again. You can see in the background, I have like my running, I have my treadmill and bike. I just use them to hang clothing on. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you just collect stuff, right? And you're trying to figure out, oh, what do I want to do with myself? Uh, but the iPad, uh, I made the choice that I was going to do that. And when I did it, I said, I'm going to do a drawing every day. Uh, until I don't. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't give myself any pressure. Uh, I was going through like a dark time too, right? Like I had, you know, I had lost friends and mm. uh, friends from, from illness. I had lost friends just because they moved on. I found myself feeling more and more alone. I had a young daughter uh, at home uh, and that was awesome. It was amazing, but I felt very unfulfilled with my work. Um, my life at home was great, but there were just elements missing. So the iPad really really filled a hole because I could work in absolute darkness while my yeah. child was sleeping. Yeah. And I could just work on the iPad with no light, no table, no nothing. It was incredible. So when when was when was that you bought the first iPad? Because all right, no, in fact we'll go back further than that because obviously yeah. with your age and thinking when you were at school, we're talking yeah. 30 years ago, which was kind of the birth of Photoshop, because that that's just had its 30 
fifth anniversary. I can't remember now, yep. but I know Illustrated yep. just had its thirtieth. So you, you're getting in the door early on. Whereas I'm pre-computer. I I kind of I left school, got a job in engineering. I just enjoyed design and and illustration and stuff. But I kind of self-taught and fell through. I fell through the marketing roles i i got design work in marketing departments which seemed to be more regular work for me but it's very single color single brand stuff but right what was i mean the adobe the the adobe thing then at the beginning was was it kind of that oh i can do what i want and i can use this piece of equipment to do it better or yes i was doing cut and paste gig posters right yeah basically the punk like you know, you take stuff, you cut it up and whatever. Uh, and then I found Illustrator and I was like, okay, well, I know how to draw sort of, uh, and I know how to make things work uh, as far as a computer. My brother had an internet company at this point, <laughs> so I didn't have to pay for my internet. So that was a huge boon, right? Like yeah. I, internet at the, at the starting stages, although it was uh, primordial and like really rudimentary, it was almost, it was, it was a wonderful thing to have at your fingertips because you could learn from anywhere. Yeah. And I remember stumbling upon house industries stuff uh, very early. And that was the one that was, I was like, wow, like this is what I want. Like I want that, that aesthetic yeah. where it's like a throwback to, to what, uh, to what once was. Uh, a workmanship you know I'm still working on my workmanship I have the look but you know it's just it's a matter of uh, when illustrators were kind of journeymen you know like Mm. uh, the ones that used to work for Volk or any of the clip art companies like Charles S. Anderson has all the collections yeah yeah that stuff you know like I have you know I have a whole bunch of Volk books here Right. Like I just, I keep them by my desk and it's just like, it's, it's awesome. But those guys were, they were, they were, they were like plumbers or, or, you know, like they weren't like these artists. They were just like, you want to, you want a tree? I'll draw you a tree and I'll just do it. Don't put my name on it. It's just this. Right. Yeah. Uh, And that's, I wanted that with the design, all that sort of stuff. It all kind of came at once and I formed all my influences probably within the first, probably six, seven years of, of, of doing design, even with illustration, even though I wasn't drawing, I was filling, filling the coffers of the things in my mind of what I liked and what I wanted and whatnot. Yeah. So with Adobe that came along with having the internet and whatever. Uh, and I was like, I got my hands on a copy of, uh, Adobe, it was illustrator five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I literally, uh, just, dug into it i started taking other people's art and trying to figure out how to make bezier's work mm. uh trying type trying type exploration uh just seeing stuff that i liked and wanting to replicate uh for the longest time i would just do stuff just for me i'd stay up until like six in the morning and just you know play around because that's and what then, uh, i like i find yeah. fascinating with the adobe thing is a like the amount of gra- the amount of great graphic designers that started off doing gig posters anyway, but like pre-computer, yeah. and then designers tend to fall into kind of I, I would say three pockets. So for me, it was desktop publishing in the beginning with Quark Express, but then it's like some are very no, I'm only Photoshop, and then you get the ones who are. I'm only Illustrator, or they go. I used to use freehand, Macromedia freehand, and then Illustrator. Yeah. But it's that because there's such two creative programs, but two completely different disciplines. 
that the illustration yeah. were i mean i spoke to dan mumford um who's a uk artist he's oh, yeah, mumford, yeah he's yeah. pure photoshop one brush uses a cintiq he, he doesn't like illustrator yet you look at his work and you think well you could do some of that in illustrator but it's very highly detailed and then so many yeah. designers are just oh yeah the illustrator all day long um and like don't talk about photoshop and then you get some of the photoshop ones that don't like talking about illustrator yeah i just i just, I just you gravitate to it right i like the endless i like the endless tweaking that illustrator brings right and you're able to tweak things to perfection yeah whereas you're training your hand with photoshop like classic art which procreate kind of brings that out too where my lines used to be horribly shaky and they're getting better they're still not there mm. but you know when you see someone who's a class you know you look at someone like charles burns or or somebody that does uh, brushes and whatever and gets this control you're like oh my god like i couldn't do that in illustrator even with no. the finessing you know <laughs> like it's awesome it's it's cool to see i get really pumped about that so how long ago did you get the ipad when, when did you get that kind of switch from okay, I can transfer, I've been doing all this work here and I can transfer to this new device and try something new. Three years ago, uh, it was August, uh, yeah, not, yeah, three, no, two years ago, I think. Yeah, it was 2018 I bought it. Oh, and I already, I already broke one. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was one of those things where I literally, I, I said to my wife, I'm like, listen, I know this is a lot of money and I know this is something of me trying something out because they are, they're not, they're not cheap. Nice. You know, iPad pros aren't, aren't inexpensive. And, and, you know, unless you have a lot of disposable income, it's whatever. So I said, I want to start trying this. And she said, of course, because she's wonderfully supportive and awesome. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and that's, and I made the decision I'm going to post every day, even if it's shitty. So you can see, you can actually see mm. the progress when I start. The first one that I did to where I am now, it's not that much better. It's <laughs> 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 really improved, actually. But Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going right back through your Instagram, and it's I know you like it's like any artist. You can tell the difference between your first and your last. You can see the little bad yeah. habits. But yeah, you know, I yeah. I'm just going through your feed, I, I've gone back through probably 200 images nearly already, and all right, probably the first time. No, even even then, there's a little bit of experimentation. Um, I'll, I'll post the link to this so people can go and look, but. You know, you could have done all of that this week. Like you, the style yeah. that you've got is just so. So I'd, I'd wear a t-shirt with any single one of those designs on, and I think that's rare for a designer that you can look through their body of work and go, brilliant, 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 excellent, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. and uh, and the, like I say, when Billy showed me a work. I've just, just just come across data boner. I better take that off the screen. Um, but where with this? You've got a start. You've you've got a definite style. So how's is that thing always been in your? Is that style always been in your head? Like the when you take the cap off and all those little men are inside in that little design factory, the the little numbskulls. Is that always yeah. been? Is that always been your like natural? aesthetic because i love anything retro or old comic style or you know jack kirby and all the hanna barbera kind of stuff is a little look of that that you've got in some of your work and then just like these it's what I grab 60s yeah stuff yeah i'm a 70s kid right so i'm a, yeah. I'm a 70s kid that 
you know, like Saturday morning cartoons. I don't know if they were the same in, in the United Kingdom, but in, in, in North America, Saturday morning cartoons, they were my window to like, I would get up at six in the morning. And we had very specific shows that were like, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse was, was, oh, was a, Playhouse. a watershed moment. Right. But before that we had, uh, oh yeah, there's Pee Wee right yeah. there. I love it. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, it's just, that was a watershed moment, but in Canada, we had a show called, uh, Hilarious House of Frightenstein that was, uh, Vincent Price would come and he would do 30 opening monologues for them. It was in Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, and it was basically this horror show of one guy played 10 different people. So he played the count. He played the Wolfman who was a DJ and he would dance to the Rolling Stones in like a, a tie dye background. Uh, Jack Davis did their, their uh, masthead. Like it was just like, it was just this little jewel of a show that was so imaginative. Like it was, Billy Van was like a pure genius. If anyone, it was shown in the Southern States too. And anyone that I talk to that knows about it, they're just like, oh man, like there's nothing else like Hilarious House of Frightenstein. It was scary. It was like, but it was like, it was, you would get thrilled by watching it. And that was, that's, those are the things, those are the moments that I remember running home to watch the Adam West Batman yeah. or, or the Adams family, you know, and like the feeling when the theme song would come on, all those things really just affected me in a way. And they're all connected to me reading comics and, you know, going through John Bushima, like all these, I did how to draw comics the Marvel way when I was like 13, Yeah, all yeah. this stuff becomes like, it, it adds into the, the ghoul goulash that's you. And it's the stuff that you want to get out. It's 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 what I aspire to. The artists that I look up to are all very are lowbrow, like uh, uh, Mitch O'Connell. I love Mitch O'Connell. He's amazing. <laughs> like just his pen work and the tattoo work and all just his pop culture stuff. He did one of Naked Dolly. That's just like this unbelievable. Like it's messed up, but it's amazing. And he does it like CSA style, like it's 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 everything to me. So yeah, yeah. I just I, I do what all the all the parts tell me to do. Yeah, I like um whether I, it's oh sorry, I was gonna say um sorry, I just uh, like Lincoln Design was another one, uh morning breath. Oh, yeah. Um they're 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 yeah. the same kind of yep. style, it's that sort of cartoony, retro, gritty, but kind of sarcastic i thought you were going to say banana splits as well because that the banana splits oh yeah, is being oh, yeah. Banana splits, yeah h&r puffin stuff yeah. all that stuff i loved it you know it, it's just it would get to me in a way like you, you were and you know vintage sesame street like the animation style on sesame street was just like whoa you're like eyeballs are being it was psychedelic and it was like it was just everything to me as a kid being and watching the pinball song yeah and it's the point of singing this funk track with this extra psychedelic like you know of the time uh illustration style that reminded me of like um milton glaser or like you know it's just had this look to it and it was just it was awesome 
you know it was it was like grown-up artwork in children's <laughs> tv and when you look when you take what we had and what we've just referenced and then like today you've got peppa pig yeah. and then it's it's still right. it's it's still an, an art style but yeah it was so psychedelic and weird and messed up and we we had a program over here that was a i think it was an american cartoon it's called tomfoolery and it it was a yeah. weird, strange cartoon, but I had never realized at the time, I've since researched it, it was all based on poetry and literature and very very educational. But at the time, it was just, no, there's this like really freaky cat with very long legs and it was all just very <laughs> odd and compelling. You sit and watch it and you come away from it thinking, I've no clue what happened, but it was really good. <laughs> and it... Yeah. And there's all that yeah. weird, God knows what people were on when they were making it. But like, I mean, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse was, I got into that sort of in the 90s. And like the, the animation and just the sheer cleverness of it. Yeah. It's so I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to have sat in those rooms when those people came up with that artwork and the look and, you know, what, sh what should the banana splits look like? And then yeah. you, you get like the, such an iconic look. I, that, I think that's why for me when i talk about design when i when i go to conferences and that i just say to all the kids like just, seriously you will learn so much from not just looking at artwork of the past but where it came from you know why why the designers ended up because a lot of this like I've, i'm i love design books any kind of design books and i just i just love those artists that did it pre-computer just Absolutely. out the brain through it's, the pencil awesome. onto paper yeah it's that need to create it's that it's that it's that drive and you know i found it late in life like and you know what but i'm just thankful that i found it you know i'm glad that it came back to me i hit a renaissance at 47 where i was like i'm you know all, i couldn't i didn't i was i had too many ideas of what i wanted to draw so i'd have to pare it down so i could do one a day <laughs> <laughs> You know, but yeah. it's because of all the stuff around me. Another thing that was big was the BBC series, uh, The Phoenix and the Carpet. Oh, wow. Do you remember, yeah. do you remember that show? Yeah. 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 I watched that and that was in, in school. They would go, okay, we're going to, and they'd wheel in the TV and I'd be like, oh my God, it's Phoenix and the Carpet. <laughs> and I'd just lose my mind. I'm like, yes. Because it was so, it was weird. Like it was like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but it was even weirder. And it was like, it was about, it was a, it was a, a story about World War II or something. Like there was always right. a, like a under, an understory underneath everything. And you're like, oh my God. I loved it. <laughs> well, any day at school, they wheeled that TV and you're either going to watch a safety docu documentary, some awkward sex, sex education thing, or some awesome yeah. film. And it was always the gamble. <laughs> Depends what yes. teacher you had. But you were willing to take it. Oh, because yeah. Because you didn't have to really, <laughs> exactly. you're in a dark room. You could just do whatever you wanted, watch the show. Once it was that, incredible that big cassette in their hand so let's talk about yeah. your at your history so your history of art obviously you were doing bands um yeah. what what stuff have you what what earns you money what earns me money now or what uh, earned what, me money what earns you money then? what earns you money back then to, to like what earns you money now because a lot of kind of listeners because we do a lot of photographers and designers i'm always intrigued I always want younger designers to sort of know you can't just walk out of school and expect to be a graphic designer and earn a load of money. Um, you have to have the hardships. You have to have the shitty jobs. 
So what kind of what earned you money then that you enjoyed doing? What earns you money today to make you go like I quit my job? I'm going to be a full time illustrator. You don't need to tell me any specifics you well, want to share, but right. Well, I think I think I think I've always had it be a supplementary thing. The stuff that I enjoyed have always been more of a hobby than a job, uh, and that's to keep me safe so that I'm whatever. I'm finally made the leap and I can actually feel this weight kind of lift off my shoulders, but it took me a long time to get there. When I started out doing gig posters, I couldn't survive off of gig posters. I hadn't, <laughs> I was making no money, Nobody did. you know, it was literally, it was like, I had one guy who was like, I'm not paying you 10 bucks. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like what? It's like a full, I'm doing a photocopied thing for you and you're not going to pay me the $10, yeah. you know? And that was, so it was like, I, I was lucky enough. So I worked as a bartender and bar manager with all my friends. So we had a core group of awesome people that I love to be around. And that was my job. But then I did all the posters and stuff on the side. Then, so I would do that for a pittance, like whatever. I don't even know how much I made at that point. But then uh, I would get noticed by the bands themselves and the bands would go, hey, you know, why don't you do this for me? Or why don't you, uh, you know, can you help me out with a t-shirt or something? And then the labels went on from that. So it was like, it, it just kind of happened that way. And I got a name within town because of the university town, my posters became like almost a currency for young people where it was like, they would grab my posters before I, I put them up <laughs> and I turn around, they'd be gone. And then these kids would put them up in their room and I still meet kids. They're like, Oh my God, you're poster boy. Cause that's what I was oh, doing right, in town. Okay. I, I was poster boy and everyone, you know, I was just known in town for this thing. But then there was this other side happening. And this is where I met, this is where I came across Billy's work and Delicious Design League. I found gig posters. So I was doing gig yeah. posters uh, and I found gigposters.com. And Clay's site was like a, it was like an oasis in the desert. And, but you're seeing the cream of the crop. You're seeing thousands of artists yeah. and only the cream of the crops seem to, to, to kind of rise up, right? And I was always kind of middling and I, I kind of had a couple things like Art Chantry said, oh, this guy's stuff's awesome. He said that stuff about my art. And I'm like, it's her freaking chantry. I wow. love her chantry. You know, but now the site's gone. I'm like, I can't see that comment anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's, that's gone that's now. Your, that's your pub story now. Yeah. Yeah. And he won't remember me. It was just a passing thing. But, uh, but so that, that, that pushed me to go further with it. Then I started doing logos and stuff. Friends, you know, I'd start doing friends. It was very, it was like a punk rock aesthetic where it was like, yeah. I was working in a bar, I'm hanging out with friends. A friend had a surf shop or a, a skate shop. And he's like, hey, can you help me out with this? And I'm like, sure. And I do something for him. Uh, someone else would have a restaurant opening up. I do, I do their menus and I do all that for them, right? I didn't really make money, that much money off of it. Then one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to make money off of this. And I took my portfolio of gig posters to the biggest marketing uh, design house in town. And I said, I'd like a job. And they were taking a huge risk on me because I don't have any schooling. Uh, and, you know, I've just been doing gig posters. I hadn't really done corporate design at that point. Uh, but they took the risk. They gave me a three-month contract. And that's when I got into full-time design. 
but then I was doing extra stuff on the side. So I always had my gig posters. Uh, I always did like, you know, there was a lot of stuff. I'd get logos and stuff for, for labels in Toronto and across Canada. Uh, I had some stuff for Matt Verderay and uh, John Spencer from John Spencer Blues Explosion for Heavy Trash. Uh, I did some stuff for Bob Blog. Like just little things here and yeah. there that was just like, you know, they felt they felt awesome and cool to me. And I was meeting these artists and they would sign my posters and they're like, oh, I have this project for you. So it was all little bits that I pieced together on top of my design career. And then just in the last years, so I was at my design job for almost 15 years at the corporate design job. Um, and then uh, I just quit two weeks ago. Just wow. to, just on, yeah. Just to try it in COVID, in, in yeah. a pandemic. Yeah, I quit my, quit job. my job in a pandemic <laughs> after 15 yeah. years of uh, income. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I would have got a little check if I had stayed right to my 15 year anniversary, but I don't uh, know. I just, I had to go. <laughs> it had How changed so much. And they, they now they ask you, you can't just be a designer and be like, oh, I only, I work and I do illustrative infographics and I do iconography. No. Oh, do you do XD? Oh, do you do Flash? Uh -huh. Oh, do you do this? And it's like, oh, for God's sake, I can, but I'm not well. Why don't you hire someone who does it well? And then everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, uh, it, it is that I've had, I've had the in-house thing where, it's oh we're not you we're not outsourcing anymore can you do this it's like well i can but not to a yeah. level not to a level that i'd want to be paid for it even though i am being paid yeah. for it is if you want xd yeah. if you want a web designer a web developer like hire one because it's going to take me four times as long and it's a waste of your money i'd rather be doing yeah. the thing i'm really good at and make you money yeah. that way and you go and get someone to do it differently but like when you've been at somewhere a long time you become part of the furniture it, you know it becomes an expectation that you're going to do the stuff i mean do you did you have that balance of like i've got to do this corporate aesthetic for the company i work for and then like you get home and then john john comes out of his brain and starts doing the high road design or poster boy thing yeah now i do i didn't for a long time and it was, yeah. it was starting, that's where I, it, it's one of those things, the need to create and the need to, to actually express myself and the need to curb some of the anxiety that I felt from Instagram and, and social media. You have, a, you have a, a, a platform that serves up, you know, back in the day, if I saw the art of, if I wanted to see the art of, of Tim Biscop, uh, I would have to get Juxtapose magazine and I would see four of his pieces. But all of a sudden on Instagram, you're, prevent, you're, you're presented with the entire portfolio, the entire life of a Dan Mumford or a, or a yeah. Dan Stiles or whatever. And you're literally like, oh my God, like, look at, why can't I do that? And as a creative person, you're like, why can't I do sculpture? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do typography? Why can't I do like all these things? And you want to do them, but you just can't. And it was killing me. And it was, it was whatever, with the day job kind of sucking my soul. And then the night looking at other creators and feeling jealous and feeling uh, trampled and pushed down and unable to use my own voice it was it was a it was a tough it was a tough road for yeah. a while, for a i while get there. i get that jealousy thing it's it's like a weird envious 
you kind of look at someone and it's that thing when you look at something and go oh man i could have come up with that why didn't i and then you see it be really successful and then it's well now i can't do that because that's now his thing what else could i do and then like you you see someone else come along you go oh shit i wanted to do that as well so i mean like i say your your style that that moment of when you've gone okay i'm gonna quit my job and then go it alone what's your what is your kind of client base did you have did you jump cold or did you kind of know well look i know i can i can still keep earning money here what kind of work are you doing now so i have so i have a few clients that i've gotten so it was it had reached an apex where i was getting asked for work that was seemed far beyond where i was ready to be you know, like I had, uh, I did some stuff for Penguin uh, Random House, everything through Instagram too. All, all these people contacting me through Instagram. Uh, Jeff Rowley, one of the UK's greatest skaters, yeah, contacted me to do board design for him. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, like he's one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite skaters ever. And then just out of the blue, he calls up on Instagram and asks me to do something for him. Uh, Naked and Famous Denim out of Montreal, which is one of my favorite, like that, that's, that was my go-to jean brand. Yeah. I'm doing tons of stuff for them now. Uh, uh, Star Cadet, like I just, I have clients that are like super nice and just, they want to feed me work and I'm like, I'll take it. But then on top of that, I'm doing design stuff too, where I'm like still doing stuff for my old company, but I'm doing it freelance. Right. I'm doing stuff for another company as a freelancer. I think that's a good thing when you leave to have that good relationship with them. It's like, look, I'm leaving you. I'm doing my own thing, but they, you still get that work. It's almost like a retainer kind of thing, but not, but it's, you know, you can churn that stuff out and and keep some money coming in. Of course. Well, and it was one of those things. I want to be of value to the company. Like there was a long time where I was, you know, I was like, I was a golden child because I would do whatever they asked me to do. If they wanted me to learn 3D, I learned 3D accessibility. I became the accessibility guy. So I would try to understand how, how people uh, with, with visual or, or mental uh, disabilities or, or, uh, you know, I would figure out how they would traverse the world and try to make it better for them. And it felt good because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm able to make a difference here. But then eventually I'm like, it's all XD. It's all web blasts. <laughs> what am I going to do here? What do I do? Yeah. It's how do all... I make this web blast my own? <laughs> <laughs> and everything as well, like now, because um, like my, because I've got sort of two generations of children, because I've got like the, the 11, uh, 11 and 12 and then I've got the 22 23 I've got two generations and I I always say to them oh there's so many things in life you you will never experience you won't realize the joy of getting on a bike and cycling for 25 minutes to go into town on the day an album is released and go and buy a gatefold sleeve album with vinyl in it and and like that's going to go in the charts and there's a limited edition of it and it's a picture there now i know vinyl's made a comeback but you you know you hear a song now you download it quickly i i design book covers and i i have to design for an amazon thumbnail that is my remit if if we can see it as an amazon thumbnail great and then go and do the rest so i'm like designing very kind of bold 
book colors where i maybe would like to put want to put more detail but it's like yeah we have we have to design for a world that's an itunes icon an apple yeah. icon it's all like, yeah. <laughs> like all right chip kid tone it back a little bit yeah. back with all your texture all right <laughs> if you were chip kid you could get away with it but lose the half tones yeah exactly. <laughs> those dots are way too small i mean even now the Insta- <laughs> like the instagram size the 1080 by 1080 or um you know 2560 2560 i mean you what what you create in what i can see on instagram is just lovely it's got just the right amount of detail the colors are so perfect for the kind of artwork that you're doing and you're not a bad typographer as well you know you've got all that that going on that i just yeah i just love the fact that that there are still people that still design larger format that still do the screen printing still go go larger than it oh it needs to be an app no it doesn't forget the app throw the iphone in the lake i want a 24 by 18 screen print of this beautiful piece of artwork i want to smell it of course i can't yeah. smell the eye yeah do you follow 300 dpi posters yes yeah yeah i, that, I love that great where they zoom so right in on the artwork dive into the print right like it's yeah like awesome yeah it's, it's almost like you're there see i'm caught in between two worlds where i'm like uh i i want to be that i look at someone like brett stenson or whatever people that just like oh, oh i'm gonna i'm gonna wooden carve i'm gonna carve out a bear <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, put it up and everyone oh look at that oh i made a wallet yeah i've made the i cured the leather myself i'm like why can't i do that but i'm like i feel guilty for being a digital only guy i had one guy like oh do you do pen and ink at all i'm like no <laughs> like i don't yet I want to get back into it, but I feel, I feel guilty about it. I'm like, Oh, oh it's gross. I feel so gross, but I'm like, eh, I do what I do. I get everything out of, out of uh, procreate. And then I can bring it into illustrator and do the bits that I can't do in that or Photoshop. It, the workflow is just so perfect for me. Right. Now. Yeah. Well, you're, you're With probably like me, place. you bought an yeah. iPad or I bought my iPad two years ago this month, this week. Yeah. Yeah. This very week in probably probably like today or tomorrow. It's two years since I bought it. I was in Portland. I just stayed with Aaron Draplin for a couple of days. I was on my way to Adobe Max. I met up with Dustin Lee from Retro Supply, who who I'd got to know um for a couple of years. And I said to him, Right, we go for a walk around town. We're gonna go to the Apple store because I'm gonna buy an iPad so that i can buy procreate so that i can buy your procreate brushes to start yeah. using so yeah i, I spent i spent wow. i spent four hundred thousand dollars for a dollar pack of <laughs> well, brushes no, yeah I, <laughs> I bought the cheap ipad but at that point you could use the pencil with it so it was like four hundred dollars yeah. to buy a ten dollar yeah. piece of software to buy a twenty dollar procreate pack but I knew it was a tool I wanted to be more creative with. And I'm still learning it. I still, I've just upgraded to the iPad Pro 11 inch and got the new pencil and it's much easier to, to work with. Um, yeah. And it's work like yours that makes me want to kind of try and get back into what I used to be able to do because that's, I love that old retro look and I've got old comics, English comics and American yeah. books and Charles Anderson. And even if I'm just copying, it's just to get that, 
muscle memory back of that get my brain thinking like that so you're i mean you're start you sell your the work that you do you've actually got a store as well haven't you so have you is that just i'll chuck it over there and if people buy it it's great I suck, Dave. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. I am the worst businessman in the world. Like people come to, they're like, hey, can I buy this? And I'm like, no, you can't buy it. And they're like, well, are you doing something with it? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> like, yeah. It needed and, to leave my head. That's all it needed yeah, to do. Like, and everything's, oh. drawn, everything's drawn too small. So everything that I put on my store now, I have to redraw at a higher fidelity because yeah. I draw at the base square, which is 2,000 by 2,000 pixels. So I have to up it to 4,200 pixels, 1,000 pixels, uh, 4,200 pixels for any any larger format. Uh, I, I got a threadless store. But again, that's one of those things where I'm like, I want to screen print my stuff. I don't want, mm. I don't want a threadless shop. I don't want to drop ship, like, you know, and, and digital prints. Ugh. Oh. But they're great. And it's, I don't have to do anything. And it's like, <laughs> I want to create. I don't want to have to spend all my time like, Oh, how do I afford it? You know, I can only afford two colors on this one, but I yeah. wanted it before. Oh. <laughs> All that junk, just whatever. But so, yeah, I have a store, but it's like, I don't, I just, I'm slowly putting stuff on it. Yeah. It's like, I just, the, the word gicle is to me, it's French for shitty digital print. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a posh word much. for, you just printed that on a printer at home. It's not a gicle, <laughs> it's a print. Yeah, put that as like a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Use your fancy uh, ooh, French but, word. Oh, yeah, with mustard, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I have to get better at it. I'm trying to figure out passive income. Right now, uh, needs to be a part of my life because yeah. right now I'm juggling stuff and I'm doing okay. But I need to do better. Like I need to. The thing is, is that I need to make as much money as I made within my job, mm. or at least around the same with less amount of stress on me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm trying to figure out those things. Have you Patreon? That's what I'm. I started figuring that out today. Okay. I do live draws a lot. So Patreon basically allows you to monetize. You can say, hey, you know, if you want to just for a dollar a month, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll you have access to like my time lapse drawings and whatever. And some people they're like, yeah, there's there's people that really do well at it. I feel kind of dirty doing it because what? i've been doing it for, free for so long so you've not got an only fans page yet where you, where you undo no. the top button yeah yeah who wants to who wants to see a middle-aged man's half nipple <laughs> it over but, that, <laughs> but that's the way the world is i mean like especially now that the, you know this this pandemic we spoke of that the kids on the street yeah. seem to be talking about when they're allowed on the street um yeah. it's what you know what a weird time but what a great it what a great time for creativity um like as we speak next week is adobe max it's you know i've been the last four years i've been a ta i love the event it's the mothership uh I, i'm a big adobe f- fan they, it's giving me a living the company i work for now wouldn't exist without it adobe max next week is all online the first time and you know 250 speakers i mean i look at it and think right i can ring my mum now and say mum i'm on the same bill as keenow reeves (laughs) i'm on the and and it's it's such a weird thing but everyone's those that are at home and staying at home are picking up new skills they're trying new software they're you know upgrading their equipment it's stuff that they can do 
And there's yeah. been, I mean, there is the danger, and I spoke to Billy about this, is you, there is still, like anything, the, the more accessible something becomes to more people, it's kind of either the good stuff gets lost in amongst all the dross or the best stuff will always continue to keep rising above it. And, yeah. and I think that's... Uh, people are learning more skills but you know we talk about youtube youtube is such a like an unqualified platform but it's where people go you type into google how do i how do i draw this in procreate it's going to take you to a google site and you've just kind of got to take you know hold your finger up and go try and work out is this person legit and good or is this just someone trying to monetize their crappy videos course so well, that's become a thing where you know kids now they're like oh i want to be a youtuber like that's yeah. not a verb <laughs> you, no. can't, you can't that's not a verb you can't do it it's not, <laughs> it's not you can't i don't get it like yes that kid makes a million dollars unboxing his toys oh. no one else is gonna <laughs> no. he's nailed that oh it's God. like we we, we just, you know, i tell tell my 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 oldest daughter she's into rubik's cubes and she's just started her youtube channel and she's sharing her rubik's cube stuff and it's like it's lovely but i said don't get hung up on on it being anything just enjoy it as a place to to put kind of your art and if it's going to be anything it'll be something because i said i can't wait for next year when companies start hiring again and all these kind of teenagers early 20s are going into an interview and they sit down and the guy picks up the piece of paper and he goes okay so um so uh jennifer it says here uh you've done a bit of admin and you did media studies at college um just this next entry here just if you want to talk more about it tiktok famous (laughs) just talk me through that well actually i can lip sync to whatever you want um i can dance any dance that anyone else is doing um and i know how to use face apps (laughs) and it's like what what a weird skill to learn in 2020 that tiktok famous is is considered a kind of something to hang your hat on i mean you don't make money like there's a girl on there i'm not going to name her because i don't want to name and shame people if they do their thing they do their thing there's this young girl on on tiktok all she does is nod her head to music and she's got like four million followers such a <laughs> such a weird we're world feeding it and yeah. we're all we're all buying into that stuff i'm buying following some stuff it's like oh it's just drunk people I'm like why am i following this instagram of just drunk people yeah. world. that's what i follow and i'm like i spend hours i'm like why am i looking at this what's wrong yeah. with me <laughs> but that's what i love about instagram i um when i was talking to dan mumford we were talking about social media and and he said oh look dave like instagram i i post everything on instagram it feeds off to twitter and facebook through because you can slide the little thing that says share it there and share it there but he said yeah instagram for me is perfect i can show my art i can do like a slide of 10 pieces of art i can do behind the scenes i can do instagram live i can do stories i get a much better reach i get a much better following is that what is that what you found as well it's just instagram is the best place well and i've just put i've put my heart into it because i'm posting every day and i've gotten you know i went from when I started two years ago, I had a thousand followers, just under a thousand. Yeah. And now I've got over 50 and it's just, you know, and it, it, I, as you get higher, 
you get more. Now, you know, for me as a 48 year old man, it doesn't have, <laughs> you know, my niece is like, you're an influencer. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, yeah. no, no one's influenced by me. They just like seeing me get, uh, you know, uh, smoke some weed and draw or something like it's just it's it's it's, a, it's an odd it's an odd feeling for me as a, a grown man to try and put it into perspective that way, but it's given me so much. And I've the quality of work that I've gotten and the quality of people that have asked me to do work is like I was on dribble. Are you on dribble? Uh, I, I, it's weird. I, I don't share any of my work and I don't do anything yeah. live. Never have no. done. Yeah. Yeah. Why, but I've got a dribble account. Um, yeah. Just, just purely because, uh, it's that artistic, like a lot of, for me, if I worked for a company or I had a paid gig, I just never shared the work just purely because yeah. it was, somebody said, I want A plus B and I want it to do this. And I would design A plus B and give it to them and they would pay me. It was transactional. It was not something I would have designed out of my head. It was purely based on. Right. Uh, so to me, that's not my work. So I've got a lot of work no, I've done. And the personal work I do, I just don't, I've never felt, uh, I, I don't know how many followers I've got on social media for any of my channels, but I tend to share yeah. more of me. And I, and over the years, I've just kind of, I call myself a graphic designer. I've only just had my website done this week. I've got to find some art of mine that I want to put on it, but I don't go looking for artist work now because now I'm older. My, right. I, uh, I, it's really weird, right? I, I earn better from teaching than I do doing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not something I ever thought I'd do. I've, you know, I don't like being on camera particularly. I've got a fa face for Braille and it's, it's something that I've fallen into and, and been to conferences and teach InDesign. I wrote a book on InDesign. It's just, that's my world now. So I design for fun and I, I just don't, I just don't share it. I want to yeah. get better at yeah. it. If I got if I got better, and now I've got the iPad Pro, and I'm going to yeah. start getting back into Procreate, I probably would start to yeah. do some more creative stuff and post it on Instagram. But I've got away with it so far. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's a tough thing. I think people think that they have to do things, you know. And I think that's the problem with this pandemic is people think, oh, I should be more creative because I have all this time. But you're dealing with stresses and whatever that are that are weighing on your brain and weighing on things like never before. And there's, you know, like I look at, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, if Mumford has the same thing, but, you know, Dave Clock or yeah. or uh, these people are it's decimated. There's no poster shows, which they make, you know, not only is it a vacation for them to hang out with their peers and hang out with, you know, the people that they that they feel closest to there's no there's no money coming in from that there's no gigs there's no sign of gigs on the horizon like you know it's 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 decimating and you have these artists that are just like oh my gosh like look at how good their work is and it's like where where do they go from here now you know like it, it's not like they were only gig posters but you have it, it does slot into to where their their audience lies and those people will put money into buying the stuff yeah. that they want because it's and, the band plus the artist and they're like this is amazing exactly you know? that that's that's the thing with dan he said i said it was really funny when i started working at astute graphics and i had to sort of relearn illustrator and also 
learn a whole part of the industry i i kind of never really realized i didn't know much about which was the poster industry that you start looking at the the, okay there's limitations as to how they can design by the medium of which it's printed so they have to design in four colors they can only go down to a certain half tone or detail but then i started to realize okay there are the arctic monkeys fish blink 182 the dave matthews band the decemberists there's these bands that have actually harnessed that artistic world and use those guys to make those pieces of art for gigs like a different poster for every gig and it became uh, the band fans collect it and then you've got the art world collecting it and then you've got mondo coming along and doing the secondary movie and tv fan kind of print artwork that it's yeah like you say now there's no shows there's no films there's no gigs no flat stock no designer con it's wow what a what a dry up of of that kind of stuff and yet if they were to still continue making it people would buy it like ollie moss if ollie moss dropped something tomorrow they'd buy it anyway tom whalen just dropped a, a star trek watch um, he designed yeah. the packaging for a Star Trek that I missed. I, I've missed it earlier. I wanted to buy one because I like Star Trek. Um, of course, but, the pain but, point. Yeah, and it's like, I mean the, the the king of the king of merch himself, who's probably not noticed the blip, is Aaron Draplin. You know, I said you go to a conference and eighty percent of the designers are wearing DDC, and yet they're yeah. all self-employed freelancers and they're not wearing their own stuff. They're wearing another graphic designer's stuff and advertising him at the same time. It's such a like yeah. a weird environment, the design world, that yeah. you've got to find your knit, you've got to find your little place in it and grab onto it. Of course. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and it's it's one of those things. There's there's people that you look at as untouchable, but now they're they're hurting, you know, like yeah. there's no, you know. Like Dave Clock is, is, was is top of the game, but you know, like if there's no, like, it's just, you have to adjust just like, you know, just like anyone else. Like you look at roadies or what, what the hell are roadies doing yeah. now <laughs> to become like, they have to become like, you know, I guess I'll be a carpenter or something. Like, it's just, what do I do? Like, how do, there's no, there's no comparable skill uh, that would require your, your knowledge at that point. Yeah, even if it was for house move, like okay, I can't road I'll help people move house. People aren't moving house, so you still yeah. can't. You still can't. And yeah. over here, there's a big. It's I funny. Like there's a hole in that. Yeah. Whoever's yeah. <laughs> 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 having stopped and done something else. <laughs> there's a there's a big thing at the moment over here in the UK where the government came out and said, like the the actors, uh, for the, for the theatres and the ballet dancers, you know, the arts that rather than yeah. saying we're going to throw loads of money into the arts to support you artists, they basically said, you guys are going to have to retrain and learn another skill. Yeah. And then it was funny because they brought out a brochure for it. I don't know how old, I don't know if it's an old brochure or a new brochure, but someone pointed out that, you know, as a graphic designer, a photographer, a ballet, as uh, a, a girl sat on a bench doing her shoelace up, she's a ballet dancer. Uh, there's a print company involved. There's all these kind of people in the arts involved. And then what was even funnier, yeah. it turned out the art, the designer that designed it stole the picture from Instagram without the artist's <laughs> photographer's permission. It was a it was a mess. But that's what's happened over here: is the government have said you're going to have to retrain and learn a different art because you're you know theatre and dance and that's not coming back anytime soon. And we can't yes. just keep throwing money at it. 
It's tough. Yeah. It's so tough. Yeah, why would we? Why would people ever? Well, you know, that's not going to put food on my table. You ballet dancing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, sure, it's pretty and everything, but <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not, it's just, yeah. You see people monetizing and doing it well. And, you know, Draplin, it's, it's, he's, his stuff is bulletproof because it is. His stuff is in a high price point. It's like, it's like, you know, he's doing Timex watches, right? Like he's doing like these limits. They're going to sell out like a heartbeat because it's not, you're not having to like, you know, sell a kidney in order to get it, right? Yeah, like, exactly. I think yeah. the, the it's second easy for him to ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's the second time when he perfect. brought he did the watch the first time it sold out in like in an hour I think. It's the second he bought yeah. the second batch of watches they sold all sold out in 4 minutes. You know his posters are $40, his books $40, his pin back, you know he keep like you say you get a right a correct price point and you get the popularity yeah. it kind of snowballs but you've still got to put the work in you still got to ship it get it printed get you know it's, it's a machine it's definitely a machine um yeah oh absolutely he, he, it's not yeah it's not that he hasn't he hasn't worked for it because honestly no, i know no. i know he has he's been he's been working it for a long time even his working even his even his speaking gigs he works his ass off for Actually, just my astute story. I have an astute story with Aaron, where he he came and spoke in uh, Kitchener Waterloo, at a at a uh, he just had a uh, someone brought him in to do a design speak. Yeah, uh, it was his Tales from a Big Man tour, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was. Yeah, he did a he did a Canada poster for the few two for few shows that he had, but he showed up and he was talking about his Cobra Dog logo, and I had just gotten so I had gotten Phantasm, and I think vector vector scribe yeah had just come out and he was like talking about cobra dogs he was like i went in and i hand curved each of those little points so that there was nothing sharp and i was like well have you heard about <laughs> have you heard about this <laughs> yeah, and now here he is you know He's, he, he doesn't have to do that anymore because of that you know that was that was his that was part of his story at that point and now it's just it's not the same thing oh no you just click a button yeah yeah you just go around you curve your corners let's do all right I'm gonna simple. Two, so two two quick things then we'll we'll wind up shortly um so the yeah. aaron the aaron draplin thing i've talked about it on the podcast before and it's basically i got the job at astute graphics because of aaron draplin and he didn't even know it and that was purely because in 2015 i was looking at a design blog and I saw this article come up about uh, this designer that liked retro design and, and junking and look, you know, pulling out old things from the past and admiring the aesthetic of it and the design. And that, that was right up my street. So I started reading this article. I'd never heard of him before, but because I love design books, the thing that got me was he was stood in front of his bookshelf. So, and I've said this to him, it was like the first time I saw the first ever picture of you, you stood there with your arms folded in front of your bookshelf. All I was thinking was, I wish you'd move out the way. I want to see what's behind you as well. And I used to make lists of books from designers. So I started reading this thing and I just thought, I love his work ethic. I like, you know, I like what he, I like what he likes. Um, I, I've looked at the books and that's how I found out more about house and Herb Lubalin and you know other designers I'd, I'd been aware of but never really researched them much and then I started to look to see what he did and realized he was doing this talk and I contacted I thought I'll ask him contacted him and said hi I saw you on this blog love your work love your work ethic have you ever 
when was the last time you came to England? And it had been about two or three years before. And he re- he responded, which I didn't think he would. And I just said, well, look, if I if I could do something to get you here, would you come over? And he came back. He said, I'd be there in a heartbeat, but this is what I need. And he told me um, the price, time, time of year and, and the things we'd need to do. And I was like, OK, well, maybe do a Kickstarter. That might do it because we can guarantee the ticket sales. We could do a poster. And he was up for it. But I had a friend who worked for Adobe um, called Tony Harmer. And I contacted Tony and said, look, can you help with Adobe sponsor this? And they they we went back and forth. They couldn't believe he was he would come. They paid for the whole thing. They put on a whole event uh, in London with him and Dan Mumford. And I uh, can't remember the other artist. And I kind of became the middleman for it. And I met Aaron at the airport. I took him into London. Adobe put us up in a nice hotel, Ace Hotel in Shoreditch. And yeah. uh, then... But just before that, sorry, I went to Adobe Max to, to meet Aaron in person before he was coming to London. And I saw that Astute Graphics were going to be there. So I messaged them and said, oh, I'm going to be at my first Adobe Max. You're going to be there. It'd be great to meet up. And we had a mutual friend. And he introduced me. And Nick watched. I told Nick the, the Draplin story. And he couldn't quite believe it because he said, that's not the story I heard from Adobe. And I said, what's up to you? Here's the emails. Look, this is me and Aaron talking. And he watched me. <laughs> he, he watched me the whole event, and he, he contacted me after, and he came to the London gig, and he watched that, and I managed Aaron's. The, the funny thing was, is I met, I ended up running Aaron's merch store, and didn't even see him do the talk that I'd arranged to get him to come over to do. But we got yeah. to hang out. He trusted me, and I got home, and Nick rang me up and said, "I like what you do. I like the way you handle yourself." I. I think we could do this with someone like you at Astute Graphics. Would you be interested? Been there three and a half years now. Wow. I like the cut of your jib. Yeah. <laughs> it was exactly it. You, and, sir, impressed yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so I'm the training manager now. So I've gone from being like a designer to now I, tr- I teach the product. I love it. They're a great company to work for. And for those that are listening uh, that that are kind of, know that i've spoken about astute before uh john actually did a live feed um showing off your astute workflow which i wanted to talk to you about quickly um and we appreciate it because we're a small company in england there's 14 of us we've been going for 14 years we we live because of because of adobe illustrator and i love it when i see draplin dan styles billy uh, you know, uh, Lincoln Design. Hoodspa we're talking about the other day. Yeah, Hoodspa was talking about. The yeah, other, yeah. Other, other I, logo the, stuff. Yeah, the Hood Sisters. That I love that people yeah. talk about us now, and it's so, it's so cool for us that we appreciate it when when you. I mean, you were the first person in the world we've given a code to, because yeah. they were like, he's got fifty three thousand people on Instagram. It's like, yeah, but yeah. look at his work. What he's going to show is going to be more value than how many people he's got. So how how did you find yeah. us? What was your story with, with a stew? Oh, I found because I worked in Illustrator only, like I was an icon guy and whatever. And I was I remember I was trying to figure out how to get variations in a poster that I had done for uh, for a, a live music festival. And I wanted to get variations and it brought me to Phantasm. And uh, Phantasm was my first foray into it. 
And then I got addicted because I was like, I was like, these guys are shaving my time in half. And it was ones like, you know, I'd buy, I'd buy, I bought the first few, I bought them like full price, whatever. But then you guys would do these sales and it would be like 70% off. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I remember I bought like almost the full suite right before you switched to, to subscription. I bought the full suite and I'm like, oh my God. Like everything has a, a, has a part in it. Subscribe, mm. the free thing was like, I'm like, this is the most useful tool that I have in Illustrator. Do you know? Like, and uh, it was one of those things where, I was, I was upset when you guys switched to subscription, but I will honestly say that no one has handled subscription quite as well as you guys, because the value that you are bringing with uh, constant updates to the programs, uh, constant updates to, to match whatever Adobe's doing or whatever Mac is doing to their new operating system, whatever, you're so pliable and working now and you're constantly updating. I'm like, I can't think of another company that gives me more value for uh, for a yearly thing. And it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you guys are kind of seen within a realm of design, but I was talking to Dave Arcade and I don't know if you know, Dave Arcade, No, I don't he's an awesome illustrator. He does. It's almost like e-boy stuff where he works within like a, he works within a 3d framework, but okay. he does these really organic, really cool, cool art. And he was talking about him. He's like, Oh, you know, I just, I use, uh, uh, Adobe for live trace. So I do every, all my sketches and then I use live trace, but I don't, I don't use live trace. I use a, another program that I have because live trace is so horrible. And I'm like, Oh, do you ever use two graphics? And he's like, Oh, I bought them. But then when they switched to subscription, I never really got into it. So it's one of those things I wanted to show the workflow that you would have to, to take something from procreate, bring it into illustrator, run vector first aid on it, be able to adjust your curves, be able to do all that stuff and do it within the program and have such a clean output by the end of it. You know, I think it's it's one of those things. A lot of people look at it as a design thing, but I think it has so much value for the illustration world that, I, you know, like I was talking to, to Harold Apples too. And I'm like, have you ever used Astute? Like he was showing how he was drawing his stuff. And I'm like, have you ever used the, 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 the pen tool from Astute Graphics? And he's like, no. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to go outside of the pen tool. Like you can do yeah. everything from the pen tool. And he was like, that's incredible. You know, like those things, but the people don't necessarily know about it within that world. And I think that's, that's an opportunity that a gives the people within the illustrative community. They're like, Oh my God, like this is a time saver for me. I've been, I've been trying to find how to do this stuff. It's just having to know that the subscription is paying for and fueling these new innovations like that are, are seriously like the, the, the offset. I remember buying the, uh, when you had the uh, other subscription, yeah. you had the, oh, uh, Stewie. the whatever. Yeah. 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 A, a Stewie. I, I bought the subscription to that just because of the offset and because yeah. of the 3d and I'm like, I, when are you guys having that for the, the stoop plugins? When are you guys going to do that? And when you did, I was like, this is incredible. This is exactly what I was looking for, the functionality I needed in order to do the stuff. Because I do it with blends and I'd have 8,000 iterations of the, the letter. And I'm like, everything's jagged. I'm like, oh, just made me sick. So I'm like, I look at what you guys do. And I was, you know, it was one of those things. Phantasm got me hooked on you. And now I don't think I could use Illustrator without <laughs> this <laughs> too crap. No, I, I really I, couldn't. 
that is so lovely to hear because I've not I've not prompted for those listening thinking oh this is turning to an advert seriously I the conversations I have with designers is that our biggest thing is we are a small company our first plug-in was Phantasm and that was purely because Nick had to recolor a piece of artwork and wanted what was in Photoshop that wasn't in Illustrator which is the huge saturation lightness Um, and that was our first product and like I say, we've always been a really small company. You know, it started off with about four of them. The most it's ever been is about 16 of us. And yeah. we we still come across illustrators who don't even know there are plugins or scripts for illustrators to save them time. Right. Like, I'll, I'll name them. I'll name and shame them. But they're good guys and they do use us. The first conversation I had with DKNG, I met Dan and Nathan yeah. at Max and I started telling yeah. them and they were kind of giving, giving me sort of weird side eye look like what are you talking about? We've got a process. It works. And the thing is with those guys is they have got a, a solid process workflow that works right. for them. And you do have to have a learning curve with a stew. You do like any tool. Yeah. There's always a look, but you yeah. had to learn Illustrator anyway. Like you you yeah. have to put in the time for any tool you have. And for us, yeah. when we hear that feedback. We keep developing the tool. We we did the subscription. Our plugins used to be like $700 to buy the whole lot. It's now $99 a year. And that's 30 cents a day. And if you if you can't yeah. make money being a designer, but it's just tools to, to save you time. We've got a bunch of new yeah. stuff coming out in a couple of weeks um, for, for next week for Adobe Max. Um, yeah. And it's purely based on feedback from designers. Can could it do this? Could it do that? It'd be really handy if it could yeah. do this. And because it's subscription, we can roll it out. And it's yeah. it's so nice to hear that. And we appreciate. Oh, it. Yeah. I spoke about it. I spoke about it in the live because I'm like, you know, when you have a small team like this, and I I remember, you know, I'd write an email and I'd get a call back, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, it's it's you're talking to one of the nine employees that that work there, right? Like it's yeah. just you 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 realize how hard it is to keep up with all the updates from Adobe with Mac and trying to, to create new things. And I would buy every new plugin you guys would put out anyway. So I'm saving money because I'm yeah, paying less get it all for free. For my yearly subscription for what I would pay for, for the plugin itself. Plus I'm getting everything just kind of fed to me. And these updates that you guys are doing, I'm like, they're not, they're not nothing, you know, like there, there, there's a lot of heart that goes into them because you're doing it better than the program that they're living in. You know, whenever Adobe does something, even, even when they do it, like their, their, their live corners, it's just not the same. It just doesn't have the same tactileness. And I, I, I'm the same way where people are like, are you, are you paid? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I just really, there's no other plugin that has saved me as much time as, as, that there's there's another plugin called uh uh, whatever kimbo from a couple of guys in yeah but they don't update all the time and now they're having to go into subscription as well because they just can't keep up as soon as adobe does something new they have to rebuild it from the ground up and it's you know it's just not the same thing but i appreciate the fact that anyone that can can create the functionality because illustrator can be frustrating Oh, okay. <laughs> well we said it's, it's Illustrator has so many different things that happen right it's a 30 year old it's a 30 year old oldsmobile that yeah. adobe is still trying to push it out as a tesla but it's still it's still the oldsmobile it's still that old 30 year old you know a, a, yeah. illustrator is essentially a a 
bunch of plugins pasted together, which is why we can right. do what we do. And like for you, yeah. for your workflow, you like you say, you're going from Procreate. If if it's just for you for fun, you can leave it in Procreate, put it on Instagram, it's done. Yeah. But like you say, if you're then going to turn it into a client, um, like Kyle Lambert, the guy that does Stranger Things uh, artwork, yeah. he, he did all that on yeah. an iPad. He yeah. just he's just oh, yeah. into Photoshop at the end because it's got to go to production, so it's got to go through yeah. that process. But that's yeah. that's the, that's the designer's world we live in. You have to know these tools to help you save money, save time. You know, good way to output. You're going to love the stuff that's coming out soon as well. It's really oh, cool. I'm excited! I'm excited whenever I hear you guys have something new coming through. Adobe's doing some neat things too because they're doing it now, where they're 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 running like a smaller company for some of the things. Like XD, when it came out, it was like uh, you know when InDesign came out, it was no way it was going to be Quark. It was no. it was whatever. And but now, now people now people are. I saw an advert for Quark Eight the other day. I didn't know it was still going. Yeah. But, yeah, same with Corel Draw, right? Like it's yeah. those products still go, and there's still fringe people. It's like, oh, I only work in Corel Draw. I only use Corel Paint. That's just my. That's the way I work. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what they do with XD and now Fresno, I haven't used Fresno. I can't use it. Oh, but I, Fresno, because yeah. I got so used to Procreate, and Procreate is such a lean machine. Like it's so it's built to do what it does, and it does it very well. It's not like Photoshop. It's literally, it's the same, you know, where you were saying it's built up on a layer of plugins and it's so powerful, but I use 1% of that power. Mm. You know, like me, myself, if I do it, I'm like 1%, one brush and the, you know, the settings. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, a, it's such a, it's such a, it's, it's refreshing that they're doing it that way, but it's also frustrating because now they're giving it time to learn and they're taking feedback from people and they're allowing that to adjust the way the program goes so that it doesn't become this bloated mess of 20 years of trying to fix stuff. And then they change the, the, the key where it goes, the shift. shift key yeah. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> we've we, all adjusted to that. Do not I, change that now. I remember <laughs> sat, I was sat in the keynote for that. And, and I've got over the years because of, because of the stuff I do, even with this, Pre pre-astu, the other companies I work for, I've got to know all of the Adobe evangelists really well, and I know T Terry White, and he stood up on stage and he got to do the Photoshop thing, and and his the, the big thing Photoshop was they'd mentioned it was going to be on the iPad, but all they really had was uh, multiple undo and the shift right. key and terry had to go up and say oh and we've you know all those years you've been why do i have to hold the shift key to constrain we've removed it and everyone kind of went yeah no <laughs> and even oh, now, memory yeah, today, every time every single time i use photoshop every single time without fail i go and hit the shift key i know i can turn it off but it's yeah. just habit. I hit the shift key to constrain. I don't uh, have to. And it's my, I won't my... do it just from whatever I do. I shouldn't have to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> do this. <laughs> we just lost another customer. Yeah. That's all right. Adobe Sensei will do your work from now on. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. John. Adobe, Adobe Sensei. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. All this automation crap that they're doing. It's like, <laughs> put me out of work. Bunch of oh, let, anyway, we've been talking for a, over an hour and i've loved every second of it I, I i hope we chat again outside of the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure mate um i'm gonna put Absolutely. links yeah. to all of your stuff um to your instagram and Thank your you. your threadless store so you can get a few 
few more shekels in now that you're yeah. working working for yourself so yeah if you're listening look up uh the high road design uh i'll put the link in the show notes for the for the podcast thank you for your time mate it's been it really i've really enjoyed this i can't believe how quick this time's gone um it's been great i love it and i'm gonna ask you one favor on air so you either say yes or you say no and, and I, know, yeah. I stand up all by it. i normally ask the artist if you can send me a headshot for the graphic I would love it if you could yeah. just draw anything um, that I can use for the cover graphic for the podcast uh, for, for your right. particular episode. Because you'll be the first time I've had a guest do artwork for. And, and I feel shitty asking that because it's like asking the designer to design for free. Ah! <laughs> Perfect. It's done. Done. excellent all right <laughs> oh i can't wait to share that no thank you thank you very much john and uh hopefully we'll we'll meet in person and we'll get you on the show again and we'll have a sit down with a beer and do a face to face that i would love that i would Brilliant. love absolutely it's been great dave thanks oh thank you all right we'll Cheers. talk soon bye-bye